Welcome to IPC's podcast, Global Electronics, The Art of the Possible. I'm John Mitchell, podcast host and president and CEO of IPC, the global association that helps manufacturers build electronics better through proven standards, certification and training, advocacy, and industry intelligence. Digital technologies are transforming manufacturing and creating the fourth industrial revolution in an increasingly interconnected and globalized world. We need to start talking about the policy, sustainability, network, and workforce adoptions integral to developing the factory of the future. We want to take a broad look at some of the opportunities and challenges of creating and running the factory of the future and talk one-on-one with the industry leaders and pioneers in manufacturing and management. Join us in exploring the factory of the future. Hi, I'm here with Robert Feuerstein, Head of Manufacturing Innovations at uh, Continental Automotive. Robert, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Hi. So we're, gonna, we're talking about factories of the future. And um, we're going to ask uh, Robert a few questions, hear what his thoughts are, and uh, just engage in a little discussion here. So uh, let me just jump right in. What are the critical elements, standards, technologies that will enable or define the factory of the future? Okay, that, that's a good one. Um, Actually, there are, if I look in, in, in our automotive industry, um, when we deal about electronics, electronics production, there are kind of various elements, uh, so to say, that are quite common. Meanwhile, quite common in industry. Uh, we talk about digitalization. That means we talk about digital twin, making simulation, making data exchange on the shop floor, uh, and even between plants easier. Um, I would say another element are, are let's say, advanced robotics, advanced robots, cobots, meaning collaborative mm-hmm. robots, uh, collaborative because there's a kind of exchange or interchange between uh, humans, the operators on the shop floor or, and on the robots, because robots we have, I don't know how many decades. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think automotive was one of the early adopters of robots. Yes, yeah. yes, correct. And and they still uh, do heavy in, heavily invest in, in, in robots, also in... Uh, HEVs, or Autonomous uh, Guided Vehicles, uh, that take care of, of the movement of the parts, take care of the movement of, of even the, the vehicles on the shop floor. Uh, but autonomous meaning um, without guidance of, of, an, of an operator, of a driver actually. Uh, and all this based on, let's say, high sophisticated data management and fleet management. So all, all these things that you really need um, to... to um, to make all this digitalization on the shop floor and digitalization on, on the supply chain happen. Okay. Um, I, I truly believe we will not have an autonomous plant without any operator, without any technician. This is science fiction, and you see that in, right. in the movies. Uh, but, but in reality, we will not see this autonomous uh, independent plant. Okay. So this is... Not, I would say, not not a not an understanding of, of industry 4.0. So, so in, in terms of those critical elements, so if I break it into two groups, one being the plant specifically, and second, the supply chain. In the plant, you've got machines, you've got uh, being able to, you've got software systems, yep. and you've got, uh, uh, well, maybe it ties to software system data collection and util- utilization of the data, and then you've got still have people yep. that are that are part of Definitely. making sure all of that works. And then on supply chain, so is there, a, is it an extension of those same things, or is it slightly different? 
I would say basically it's an extension, but with a much stronger focus on, on data exchange. Okay. So being able to communicate and, and share yeah. the right information right. at the right time Correct. in a consistent manner. Yeah. I think this is still, so to say, one of, one of the, the crucial points. And we, unfortunately, whenever there's a crisis, we, we see that, that we have gaps. You know, coronavirus is, is really horrible to the people affected mm -hmm. in China and, and, and sure. everywhere and wherever, around yeah. the world. But in our case, the first thing you do is you should think about the supply chain. Mm -hmm. In a perfect world, I would push the button of my enterprise systems and would know or care about of this, I don't know, two-digit millions of, of part numbers. Um, here and there, we do get them supplied out of the Wuhan area. Mm -hmm. The reality is it is not that easy. Yeah, it's we hard need to, to figure do, it out. We do have the data. We need to figure it out. We need to sometimes discuss with the suppliers where they supply the parts from and if they already have backup plans and so on and so forth. But it's a little chagrinning because you, <laughs> it's, it is data, so you would think you could just push a button and ask a question and that it would, would tell you. That would be perfect, yeah. correct. Yes. And, and, and actually, the industry is working on that. You know, right. big data and, and artificial intelligence algorithms can do a lot here. Mm -hmm. But it starts with, let's say, having the data available, having all the data let's say, in the same cloud, not well, just and, us. And properly coded. And properly coded, correct. Yeah. That's, that's still a, a challenge, especially on the supply chain. Very good. So on the, on the note of data, let me go to our next question. So, so, uh, so we're in the midst of a data explosion. Yeah. You know, we've got tons of data to the point that many companies really don't even know what to do with all the data they're collecting. Uh, what are the, some of the ways that you anticipate manufacturing, the manufacturing supply chain will harness the data? Yeah. I think we are meanwhile pretty good within the plant, you know, using all the data, using, using uh, specific algorithms to identify, let's say, uh, losses, scrap, waste, whatever. This is where we are pretty good meanwhile. If you look into a production network to really find out uh, the, the weaknesses in between the plants and um, the link between, let's say, optimizing the design of a product and optimizing the manufacturing of a product. This would be a, a, a beautiful application, okay. you know, out of the manufacturing data to, to, to understand, oh, here and there it might be a good idea to optimize the design. Yes, it is possible. We do it still manually, you know, workshops bringing sure. designers and, and uh, engineers together and all that approach. And as we just discussed, John, the last topic along the supply chain, I think this is still the, the holy grail of, of uh, understanding how to work with the data. From our customers at the end from the field, mm -hmm. from the end customer to us, to our suppliers, um, this is, uh, in, in my eyes, the, the big challenge. Well, and as you talk about the design for manufacturability and, and getting the, you know, the needs versus that, as you bring AI on top of all this data, wouldn't it be great if, you know, hey, we have... You know, in, in many companies, you already have set patterns that will say, yep. okay, in this situation, we need to use this kind of pattern. So there's no reason in a very narrow AI, you couldn't say, okay, given this data, if we see this thing occurring, in, especially in a digital twin, would be even better before you start building it. Yep. We need to shift that design because now that we've modeled it, we say, okay, that's, that, these are the implications that we're going to encounter both in manufacturing it as well as in using it after yep. the fact. So, exactly. Yeah, that's great. Um, so the factory of the future will likely link cybersecurity as well as physical security. What kind of security measures is or should the industry be taking to keep the, its data and factories secure? 
I think you made a very important point, actually, at the beginning of your question. Um, the one is always linked to the other. You cannot focus on physical security. You know, every visitor gets a visitor badge, and without the visitor badge, is not allowed to enter uh, the building. On the other side, you have the, the cybersecurity. Right. Um, and in my opinion, it both belongs together and, and you cannot decouple it. And that's valid for, let's say, R&D uh, as well as, as on the shop floor in the production. Um, so that, that's one thing that, that comes to my mind. The other thing is um, what I see uh, is it's still, it's still a mindset thing. It is mm. still um, talking to people making everybody uh, aware that, that cybersecurity is a crucial thing. And, you know, in, 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 in our company, we talk about 240,000 uh, people, mm. and the majority of them are having an individual access uh, to our network somehow, uh, even in, in the office or, or on the shop floor. And it starts with all these people knowing how to handle uh, Curious emails, knowing, uh, not collecting USB sticks on a fair like, like yeah. the Apex show here, yeah. which might be okay if you know what you do. Right. But don't plug it into my office network. Exactly. But <laughs> it's not a good idea to plug it. The first thing to do, plug it into your office laptop. Yeah. And it starts, it starts with this simple thing, uh, so to say. And, and I think we are doing a lot. The industry is doing a lot. Um, but so there's, in, so there's, this, there's yeah. education it's, of the, it's of the all people. about education and training. And about awareness. cyber, but also about physical. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of, you know, uh, I hear experiences where even today, I mean, it's kind of the, to me, it's, it's a, the television version. I didn't really want to believe that it actually happened. But people are out there dumping, di diving into dumpsters, finding printouts of things yeah. and things like that. It's just yeah. uh, fascinating to me. But yeah. so there's, yeah. there's literally the physical protection of yeah. scrapped goods or scrapped paper or yeah. scrapped notes yeah, on right. top of, you know, how people can sniff in. And it's just going to get tougher. Yeah. I mean, you have AI that systems that are getting smarter about how to, so it doesn't have to be some 13-year-old kid across the world banging on keys. You can set up a little uh, AI bot out there to go yeah. sniff and try to figure it out and then come back after he's had his hot pocket. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a business model, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, given all of these changes in the factory of the future, what advice would you give to businesses looking to succeed in the future? And based on that advice, how can they measure the impact and success of what they're going mm -hmm. to be doing? Mm -hmm. um, measuring the impact, this is... Uh, a question, or this leads to a discussion that we had in, in our organization. I think we started it four years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we are all engineers, and uh, by yeah. nature, engineers try to, to play around and, and, and are eager to try new things. Right. Um, and, and that's great, but on the other side, whatever you do in a, in a, in a corporation, a manufacturing organization, you, you at the end, um, you have to be able to show the impact. Yes, we are engineers, we love to play, but at the end, it's only reasonable to introduce new technologies or software tools, whatever, if you can, can show the impact. And, and this was our philosophy from, from the very beginning to say, yes, AI is great, but at the end, we want to have small, 
big data and AI-based applications to improve efficiency, to reduce scrap, to whatever. Yeah. So you could do take a specific problem and say, I'm making a difference here. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And this is this is our approach. At the end, yes, you need to have a, a decent understanding of the tools and, and of the technologies, and you should have a kind of roadmap what you want to do. But but start with the small things, show with small individual um, solutions, applications, then it's, that it's possible, and then scale it up. Gotcha. So don't sit there and say, oh, I'm going to implement this brand new whiz-bang tool <laughs> 4.7 yeah. and put it across everywhere. Yeah. Take a specific project, something you understand, Correct. something you know you have an issue with, yeah. implement the whiz-bang tool there, learn if it's going to work, how it works, et yeah. cetera, and exactly. be able to tell that there was yeah. an impact. Because you first you have to convince you have to be convinced by yourself that this thing is working and improving. Whatever yeah. kind of KPI. At the end, we talk about cost, quality, sure. speed. Um, next, you have to convince the people who, at the end, will work with it. If it's the technician on, in, in a uh, factory or if it's the, the designer who gets a, a nice little tool telling him that his design might not be the best but just the second best one, mm -hmm. things like that. And you have to convince the people. And, and people are convinced if they like to work with it. And if they see that it has a benefit. Right. And, and that really speeds up the, the uh, rollout process. Gotcha. So last question. Um, what do you think we as an industry should be talking about, but we aren't? Or should be talking about more that we aren't? Um, let's say if I, if I would have one, one wish, what we should focus more is... Um, then it's really the, the, the usability of all the tools and, and let's say, the, the HMI and... The human-machine interface. The human machi yeah. Sorry, the human-machine right. interface. Um, you know, just, just to give a, a simple example, um, last week I uh, purchased a new uh, smartphone for one of my girls and um, it took me 20 minutes to set it up everything, all the apps, everything. And it was perfect. I was a little bit afraid that it takes me days, but it took me 20 minutes. If I look at uh, equipment on our shop floor, if I look software tools, everything, it usually takes you days. Yeah, sometimes weeks. Sometimes weeks, yes. But at the end, we, we, we talk about uh, a piece of software that should run on your machine. And, and then the next thing is, okay, the, the user interface, the HMI, all this, there was a lot of improvement in the last couple of years. Also having standard interfaces, CFX, Hermes, and so on. But at the end, I'm still missing, I'm still missing the, the, the last step that everybody feels comfortable working with it and everybody so, knows what to do. Yeah, so somebody walks up to a machine and it's obvious to them. Correct. I know what to do yeah. to make this run, if there's a problem, yeah. to configure it for this job. And yeah, so okay, that great. That's that's really good. I like that. You're right. We're not doing a lot of talking about that. And yeah, uh, correct. and for a long time in the computer industry, there was a lot of discussion about that. You know, what are the right ways to interface with that? Yeah. And that's something I think maybe we could learn from here. Yeah. It's very good. Robert, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Um, and for giving us a look into what the factory of the future holds and uh, and how we can prepare. We appreciate your 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 thoughts as well. You can find out more information on the Factory of the Future and other electronics industry news at IPC.org.